Welcome back to the Love Your Bod Pod. I'm your host, Kara Grinsvelli. I'm a health coach. I'm an author. I have an online course called Breakthrough from Binge Eating, and I'm a podcaster. And I guess Instagram or two, because I kind of spend so much time on there every day. Um, but today we have a man with us as our guest today, and he is my boyfriend. And I brought him on here today to talk about body image and diet culture from the man's point of view, because I know that this is something that men struggle with as well. Now, definitely not to the same degree, but I know that it's real for, for men too. Um, so I just thought it would be like helpful to have him on here. But before we dive into his interview, I definitely have a confession to make. When I first met him, I was not attracted to him. And it was mostly because of his body size and his weight. My boyfriend is considered obese by the BMI scale. And he is pretty much by like every measure of our society, a fat man. And when we were introduced by my dad, I'm pretty sure my dad did not think have any intentions of us dating and I certainly did not think that it was in the cards for us either but I was not like opposed to being his friend he was totally fun to be around and the more I hung out with him the more I liked him but I gotta keep it real with you I really struggled to look past his body and I remember the first night that he he tried to kiss me and I kept pulling away and he was totally a persistent little shit not like in an aggressive way by any means, but like he kept trying and I could tell that like he was like going in for the kiss and I just would like pull away. I knew I liked him. You know, we were having fun. We were hanging out in Santa Monica, drinking margaritas, eating chips and guac. You know, we were totally having a blast, but I was really hesitant. I just had this like hesitation in my chest over it. I kind of was thinking to myself, like, I'm a health coach. I'm a holistic nutritionist. And like, here's this fat guy who is totally cool and smart and kind and a gentleman and made me crack up all the time. But I just felt like, gosh, like, I can't date him. Like, what would people think? I thought like, gosh, people will think I'm just with him for his money, even though like he's not rolling in the dough. But I sort of just thought that people would automatically think that, right? Or maybe they'll think that I'm so insecure that like I can't do better or something like that. And this was like the shit that was coming through my head. And I don't like admitting this. I think that it kind of makes me sound like I'm conceited or that like, you know, because I happen to be in a thin body that like I'm somehow superior. And I don't truly believe that in my core. Um, but I know that like, I, I can imagine that I might sound that way sharing it with you guys, but I'm not here to lie with you or to try to look good. Like I want to keep it real with you. And like, this was really what was going through my head. Like in all honesty, I was being superficial and the world around me, the messages I've been sent my entire life, everything I've internalized over the years was totally playing out. I literally was afraid of what other people would think if I was with him. And I also just felt like I had to be with someone who looked a certain way or valued health the same way I did. And at this point in time, health wasn't necessarily like one of Brent's priorities, but I couldn't deny the fact that I genuinely was into him. You guys, he's really awesome. And one of the things that was like the most attractive about him or like even like sexy was his confidence. Like he was so sure of himself and he was confident in a way that wasn't cocky or or arrogant by any means. Like he just like knew who he was and he like owned it. Like he was just really comfortable in his skin and um 
or at least he came across that way, right? Like he definitely shares in the interview that he definitely has his body insecurities, but like I wasn't aware of them. Like he just like owned his stuff. He was like smart and I mean, he's really intelligent. Like it's amazing to me all of the random stuff that he can remember or like he will somehow have knowledge on like the most obscure topics and I'm like how do you know all of these stuff and he's like oh I just like read it one time and I'm like okay great and you just like stored it to long-term memory wow um but his confidence was really attractive to me and really sexy and at the end he talks a little bit about what he finds attractive in other women and he talks a lot about how how you carry yourself and I think that when a woman is confident regardless of her body size that's attractive that's sexy um I know that it's not just that way for for men I know that the the I don't know the opposite is also true that when like a woman is really comfortable and confident in who she is it's attractive it doesn't matter what size her body is so you know, in addition to the fact that he was just like really awesome and really fun to be around, I really was attracted to how confident he was. So I kept hanging out with him and eventually I had to just get real with myself. And I was like, dude, Kara, you like this guy. Stop being superficial. Stop caring what other people think. If you're with him, stop letting the fact that he is not Mr. Sixpack stop you. So I just let go. I surrendered to it all and I just let my feelings come out and it has done things for me I never would have imagined. Brent has taught me so much without him even trying to. Shortly after we started dating I stumbled upon the book Health at Every Size and I started to shift the message that Kara's Kitchen, my business, was sending. And I'm not sure how long you've been hanging out with me, but I didn't always preach about body positivity, ending fat phobia, health at every size, intuitive eating, and stuff like that. I didn't preach weight loss by any means, but I wasn't trying to help women heal their disordered relationships with food and their body image. But being with Brent has been one of the catalysts for changing my opinions on fatness. I know that loving him and being a part of his health journey has changed my view of the world. He's a huge part of the reason why I consider myself a thin ally to fat activism and ending the oppression people in larger bodies face. I know that almost every single woman on planet Earth would benefit if we all stopped fearing fat. And I know that no longer fearing weight gain has changed my life in so many ways and only for the better. Not only that, but like he also has believed in me and my work in a way that like no other person has. You know, even when my parents were kind of like, what are you doing, Kara? You should be getting a job, you know, or like, go ask for your corporate job back. He was always there like, no, like you're doing good stuff, like keep doing it. And he helped me be less judgmental because I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't used to have all of the typical beliefs about fat bodies that the mainstream media and diet culture spews at us. Like I grew up in America, you know, I've been surrounded by it. I studied nutrition and health in school, like you know, we get a lot of like fat phobic messages in every facet of life. I also worked in the fashion industry and I don't think I need to go into too deep of an explanation there, but like I worked in the fashion industry at a time when like plus size models were not a thing. This was like 12 years ago. So one of the reasons I wanted to have him on here was because I know that men deal with body image issues too. And they are victims of diet culture as well. And Brent is totally proof of that. And he and I, we've talked a lot about this. And you will hear him share his story. Um, 
But one of the biggest things that I've noticed is that he still does not see fat, the word fat or being fat, as just being a neutral descriptor of a body type. One of the things that I've, you know, kind of wanted to have him have a shift in awareness around is that like fat and thin are neutral descriptors just like tall and short. They're just a way to describe someone's body. But growing up, we are taught to view thin and fat in very emotionally charged ways. So like we're kind of taught that like thin means health or success or love or acceptance or popularity or power or self-discipline or attractive and happy and like on and on and on. And then we're also taught to associate fat with things like lazy and unhealthy and unsuccessful or ugly or not motivated or not disciplined or unworthy or not good enough and like on and on and on and on. And when I talk about this, I can see it in his face like he still attaches all of those negative associations with being fat and I can see how it affects his self-esteem he almost has this like visceral body reaction like his demeanor changes and all I can do is just love him the best that I can through this and I intentionally do not try to coach him like I don't think that that's my place but like fat phobia will pop up everywhere like in tv shows stand-up comedies and then like typically that is what we'll have us start talking about it like I'll start talking about my work or I'll start talking about how like that really bothers me or it's triggering and I can just kind of like see how it affects him as well so I wanted him to come on here because I know that it's possible that you might have a man in your life or Maybe you're a man listening to this. I don't know. I don't I don't know if I have any male listeners, but I know that men struggle with body image too. And I wanted to just kind of hear the man's perspective and hear what it's like, you know, just just to shed some light on the other end of the spectrum. Now, maybe I'm being like overly critical or overthinking or worried, you know, being too worried. There are some points in the episode where sometimes I think Brent has a harsh tone and maybe I'm being overly critical. It's also just that like he's a dude and his POV, you know, his point of view on the world is a little different and he's not a, a woman. And so things are just a little different. So if at any point he sounds a little harsh, just know that he's, you know, I don't think he means for it to sound that way. He's a doll and a sweetheart. Um, and I try to soften his perspective a little bit um but I do hope that you guys get a lot out of this I do hope that you benefit from hearing what it's like for men um he talks about you know what men look for in women and like how important is it that you know women are thin and he basically says that it's really not a deal breaker that like your body is not a deal breaker which I think is really awesome and I think it's an something that women really need to hear and if your body is a deal breaker for some dude, well, then like that guy's not the guy for you. Because ultimately, again, if you listen to a couple of podcasts ago, maybe, I don't know, podcast seven, I talked about um, what it's like to want to lose weight to be with someone. Or if you feel like if you lost weight, you'd have better luck in dating. And I ultimately just think that anyone who has weight requirements <laughs> or anyone who's not willing to, to see you for you and not look past your body ultimately isn't someone you want to be with anyways. Um, and I know that like, I don't want to be with someone just because they're physically attractive, right? Like that's not really what's going to make me happy in the end. I want to be with someone who like lights me up and who makes me feel safe and loved and who I have fun with, you know, like that stuff is so much more important than looking a certain way. And, um, and he kind of has the same opinion, which you will get to hear. So without further ado, let's dive into the show. 
Welcome back to the Love Your Bod Pod. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is Brent, and he is my boyfriend. We're having him on the show today to kind of get the man's perspective on diet culture, body image, eating, nourishing food. So without further ado, Brent, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I feel so special. You are special. (laughs) Happy to hear that. All right. So I always start out my interviews with a segment called Awkward First Date Questions. Let's do it. This sounds interesting, intriguing. Mm, Get ready. Let's go for it. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? I would definitely say as a young child, it was a doctor because doctors make a lot of money, supposedly, right? Um, And growing up, because I love cars, I wanted to, uh, with the influence of MTV's Pimp My Ride growing up as a teenager, I definitely wanted to uh, work on cars, you know, and, and be able to design and do things like that. So I, I mean, I started working on cars when I was in my teens, but yeah, I wanted to kind of be on that level, I guess you could say. He constantly calls out different types of cars while we're driving all over. And and we live in LA. So like there's lots of fancy people with fancy cars and we can't go anywhere without him being like, look, it's a Ferrari 858 or, or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know what, I don't even see this. Yeah, that's fine. You don't have to. Okay. (laughs) It's my, my deal. It's cute, but also annoying. (laughs) Ladies, maybe you can relate. Maybe your like boyfriend has a little tick like this. Um, okay, next question. If you could have the answer to any question, what would you ask? I would definitely have to ask the question if, you know, something along the lines of, think of like robots took over like humanity, right? Like, if, is that the way that humanity ends? Or just asking in general how it ends? It'll, it would be interesting, right? Did we do it to ourselves? Did we cause it? Did an asteroid hit us like dinosaurs? Be interesting to know. It would be it. I'm curious as well. So if you get, <laughs> if you get the answer, let a girl know. Um, crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Definitely smooth. Why? Definitely smooth. Uh, I don't like crunch my peanut butter. When I have a base of some kind of food or drink, orange juice is my example. I don't want pulp in my orange juice. I don't want crunchy peanut butter. I want smooth peanut butter. It's called butter. I think this is a metaphor for something. I mean. <laughs> I don't know if it's a metaphor for anything. Like you just want a smooth, easy life with no bumps in the road? No, I just want smooth peanut butter. Okay. (laughs) Okay. It's easy. Get behind that. So Brent and I met about a year ago, over a year ago now. And when we first were introduced to each other, it was in a platonic sense. And we kind of traded services. So Brent works in finance And I had just sold my restaurant and he helped me put some money in an IRA for retirement. And I taught him what kale was and how to cut a sweet potato. So he was like one of my practice clients, if you will. Um, So now he eats kale all the time, but it wasn't always like this. So Brent, what was your relationship with food like growing up? So, yeah, eat kale, not by choice. Um... So my relationship with food growing up was definitely one of, kind of as you've put it, the standard American diet where 
you know, it's meat, potatoes, that kind of a, a diet, but also grew up a lot with a lot of processed foods raised on like bagel bites and hot pockets. So it was definitely a very, uh, I, I guess you could call it again, the standard American diet, pretty normal for a lot of kids, that kind of processed food, whatever's cheapest and on sale at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So do you think that disposable income or your income level played a role in the types of foods that were available in your house? I think so. I, you know, I don't know how much of that's also being born in the 90s where everything like gogurt became a thing and Fruit Loop straws <laughs> became a thing. Uh, so I don't know how much of it in that era was a wealth divide. Certainly didn't, you know, have a wealthy upbringing, but I don't know how much was contributed to that versus just what things were like in the 90s. Right. Like we had a, a different food point of view, perhaps in the 90s than we do maybe now. Right. I mean, the McDonald's Happy Meal and ball pits still existed. I guess Happy Meals are still there today. But, you know, that was kids had birthday parties at McDonald's for crying out loud. It was a very different era. They might still have birthdays at McDonald's. We don't know that. We don't have kids or friends with kids. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's fair. I don't think they're really happening today. You get rid of the ball pit. You can't have a birthday party there. I didn't know they got rid of ball pits at McDonald's. Is this some useless fact that you know? It's a useless fact that I know. Thank you, Internet. Okay, so you grew up on like pizza bagels and Hot Pockets and Lunchables and fast food. And I grew up on the same stuff too. My mom cooked as well. But yeah, like we, I didn't really grow up in what I would consider like a whole foods type of family. I grew up with fast food and pizza bagels. And like my mom would cook. But yeah, it was like meat and potatoes and pasta with ragu sauce. So kind of similar. Right. Yeah. yeah. So what is one of the biggest things you've learned since we've been dating? So I would say probably the biggest thing I've learned is not focusing on calorie counting and, and restriction, but rather, you know, enjoying whatever it is I eat, but wanting to actually feel better mentally and physically, you know, in both ways, just because of what I eat, that it's really a cause of, okay, I feel great after eating this. And I still, you know, I... I'm a guy. I uh, Sundays come around. I like to drink beer. I like to eat pizza and watch football. Kind of being a basic uh, guy there. But, you know, I think the biggest change was knowing that I can do that. I can live my life and be, quote unquote, normal with my eating and not worry about what the label says about calorie counting and having to go, oh, I've had 2,000 calories today. I'm done. Like, no, I mean. So did you actively calorie count? Like, was that like kind of something that was always in the back of your mind or how extreme was that for you it wasn't super extreme for me I was aware of like I would look at labels and see oh okay this has x amount of calories in it I wasn't always going for this steady like I need to have only 2,000 calories a day but that was what I looked at on a label any of anything in the store not not the ingredients but just that because I felt that that summed up if it was good or bad for me. Mm. So you definitely had sort of this perception based on what diet culture teaches us that low calorie foods or foods that are quote less likely to make you gain weight are going to be a more superior option regardless of what is actually making up that food. So like what the ingredients were. Yeah. I mean, totally. That's definitely, that's what we're told, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we're aware of. That's what we think it all comes down to. Mm. So would you say that you were someone that dieted ever? 
or tried to eat in a way that would produce weight loss? Yes. Okay. So put that way. Yes. I never went and did like the Atkins diet or anything like that. I certainly was one though, where I would restrict how much I ate in the hopes of losing weight. Mm-hmm. Right. So it might not have a label. It might not be like, oh, I'm doing a traditional diet like Weight Watchers, but you were count, you were consciously mindful of the amount of food you were eating, thinking that that would lead to weight loss. Now, did you also heavily associate weight loss with health? That you were like, oh, well, if I'm eating less and I'm losing weight, I'm getting healthier. Well, sure. I think most people do, especially, you know, when, you know, being in a corporate type of job and they bring in their wellness coach and all that good stuff uh, once a year for your health insurance. And they say, oh, well, your BMI is such and such and you weigh this much. But if you lose weight, that means you're healthier. I mean, they, they everyone essentially tells you that you're just healthier if you weigh less, um, which, uh, you know, I sure wasn't healthy looking back on it, being on the prescription drugs I was on. And that's not healthy. That's the opposite of that. So, hmm. yeah, you certainly have that image of that's what health is, is Wait. Mm. So you were definitely someone exposed to the institutionalized weight stigma and discrimination that is very prevalent in our medical system. Well, sure. I have health insurance. <laughs> so that's why. I, that's exactly what they do. So they need a quantifiable metric on how much do I want to insure this person for? How do I make it cost less for them? Okay. That's how they do it. So that's that's. Yeah. Which is so problematic to determine someone's health based on their weight. The BMI is a wildly unreliable metric or barometer to determine someone's health. I don't actually think I've talked about that on the podcast just yet, but I I absolutely will have an entire episode on why the BMI is a crapshoot. So you experienced it. So you had it in your brain that weight loss meant health. Yeah, so I kind of hope I experience this podcast um, uh, upcoming of BMI, meaning health, because I literally said to uh, the nurse who was, you know, examining, took my blood and all that, weighed me, said, oh, well, I should just go on the coffee and cigarettes diet then, right? And just tell you I don't smoke cigarettes (laughs) so that I appear healthier and then you have to pay out more money later. So it was just, it's a wild system that I think is... What did she respond? say to you how'd she respond (laughs) she just laughed i mean she knew i was joking but it's she understood too because i've had friends growing up and in my early 20s that i've worked with they smoke cigarettes and and drink coffee and they never eat and they're twigs but our medical system definitely says oh you're healthy then Mm -hmm. and they're the least healthy person i know where they drink a ton of monster energy drinks or something like that and um, their adrenals are shot yeah. Yeah. The, well, the same was true for me. I really struggled to get an eating disorder diagnosis because I fell into the BMI's healthy weight range. Having a BMI between 19 and 24 is what our medical system considers a healthy weight. But I was like binging and purging and starving myself and taking laxatives and buying Adderall illegally from like people I knew through whoever trying to lose weight. And I was told, well, like you're a healthy weight, like your eating disorder can't be that serious. Like you look so healthy and it's harmful to determine someone's health based on the way that their body looks. It's borderline malpractice, in my opinion, and kind of unethical. 
Well, imagine it's the stress that it causes you. Imagine if you're in your 60s or 70s and it stressed you out that much. And now a heart attack is a very real threat to that. Is that healthy? That's not healthy. So you're right. I mean, that's a big flaw in our system. Yeah. Okay. So before we met, you had you heard of kale? I heard of kale. It was uh, decorative. It was what all the lobster in the grocery <laughs> store was surrounded by on the glass case. It was decorative. Okay, so you'd never eaten it. I may have, but, you know, I, I, not willingly. Okay. Do you like kale now? It's not birthday cake, but <laughs> I do. I enjoy it. Thank you for, <laughs> for distinguishing the two. You're welcome. Yes, because I understand... I, I think it was last week we ate breakfast and there was this big bowl of kale with an egg on top, maybe something else in there, but mostly kale. And I remember being at work and I'm like, yeah, after a weekend of drinking and I think we were out in Arizona and I was just like, oh yes, this felt good. And like I needed it, but it wasn't like, oh, I craved it. I was just like, yeah, no, I felt good after it. And that's why I enjoy it because I know I'm going to feel good. Mm, Okay. I think that that's a really powerful connection to have with your body to understand that like when you eat certain types of foods, you, you feel a certain way. So some foods will give you energy and vitality and help you be more clear headed. And then you have other foods that might make you fatigued or irritable or lethargic. And it's not that those foods are necessarily good or bad, right? So like pizza definitely makes me lethargic, but that doesn't mean I don't eat it. I just understand that I'm, I'm probably going to be tired. And I also know that when I have kale for breakfast, I feel really great. I have lots of energy. My digestion is good. And so when you are able to distinguish how different foods make you feel, you end up naturally having an inclination to eat, in my opinion, more nutrient-dense foods because you want to feel good. You know that you're able to like get more shit done when you're not fatigued after having a, you know, a sandwich or a pizza or something. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I think the greatest example for me is if I go and get an Oreo Blizzard at Dairy Queen, first of all, clock me out for the day. I'm done. It doesn't matter what time it is. I, I just, my body shuts down. But that's when I know, you know, that next day I'm like, no, I, I definitely need, you know, as you put it, nutrient-dense food. I really need that for my body to – and I, I just want to feel good. You get sick of feeling bad very, very quickly when you understand what feeling well really feels like. Mm, okay, so would you say that you have a new normal now? Like you actually – because you know what it's like to feel – good in your body by having this shift in your diet where you're not calorie restricting and you are eating more whole foods that you're cooking yourself, you've gotten to experience feeling better in your body. So now would you say that you have a new normal, whereas before you were so used to feeling not great? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely raised the bar, right? I mean, I've had medication previously that raised that bar, um, but without having to be medicated, it definitely, my new normal is certainly a much higher energy level and just all around feeling better. Mm-hmm. Still have some work to do. Still have some work to do, but yeah. we're getting better. <laughs> we're, when I say know. work, I just mean we have health stuff that we're working on together with diet and a functional medicine doctor. We're not trying to lose weight, but we're basically 
taking a therapeutic approach to healing and a functional approach to healing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So what's it like to be a fat man? And I'm saying that word with (laughs) a neutral approach, just using it as a descriptor, right? So I'm in a thin body, you're in a fat body. What's it like to be a fat man in a fat phobic world, like in a size biased world? I guess the way I would put it, the way I I learned this quickly, so especially moving to L.A. last year, was going into Nordstrom's at the Grove and realizing, oh, they don't have anything my size here. (laughs) I'm a little too big for that store. Um, And it's, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say it's as tough as it is for women. I wouldn't at all go off and say, no, this is too, you know, far more difficult for a man. It it certainly isn't, but that doesn't mean that, you know, being a fat man isn't uh, discriminated upon. You know, it's very difficult when, if I have to go buy a shirt in big and tall section, suddenly, you know, you have for women plus sizes and for men, you have big and tall. A lot of places, you don't have big and tall shopping. You look at commercials just as you would for women. The same way, you know, men are always a lot more, fit they're skinnier they don't have as much body fat maybe they're more you know they have more muscle tone you name it and for the longest time you know so my first job i was a lifeguard back when i was like 16 and even then i didn't want to go in the pool without a shirt on you have that self-consciousness it's difficult i think it's still very difficult i'm getting more comfortable in my own skin but it's still very difficult um, to be comfortable and say oh yes i'm really feeling my normal self in my own skin or that you won't be feeling the judgment from others because we're still everywhere we go. Say again, same with women, if not more so you just, you see it by what you're able to buy, how things are marketed. And then you feel that everyone thinks that because of that marketing and it's, it's tough. Thinks what specifically? What do you mean? Thinks that it's normal, that normality for a person is to be thinner is mm. to be, you know, that's it's the sizes the store carries it's what the mannequins look like it's what's in the commercials you feel that that's normal and now because i don't fit into that size i don't look like this i'm not normal Mm. and we're all most of humanity is trying to get to that state of normalcy i feel like Mm -hmm. my opinion Mm -hmm. it's just that you work in the corporate world you've worked in the corporate world a long time do you feel like everybody's kind of on a diet or trying to lose weight or how often does weight kind of come up? You work in a male-dominated industry, so does that come up a lot? Um, it definitely does. Actually, men talk about it all the time. Uh, men absolutely are talking about, oh, man, I've been putting on so much weight. You know, especially when football season comes around. On Every year I would hear it coming towards the holiday season or the beginning of the new year, right? It's like, oh, man, I've just been eating a lot of wings. I've been drinking a lot of beer and pizza, and I put on some pounds like I need to hit the gym and the whole diet starts Monday mentality is very alive and well with men. It's I hear it all the time. I mean, it's just a very common, um, you know, kind of nomenclature of, of men is that, yeah, I need to lose weight. I put on pounds and talk about it very openly with other men, too. So. We're at the point now where diet culture is so woven into the fabric of like what it means to be someone in the Western modern world that we don't even notice it as being diet culture. It's almost like we're swimming in it and surrounded by it so we don't notice it for what it is. 
Yeah, it's become our world, right? And I guess this actually, as you kind of asked me earlier, you know, what's really the biggest thing that you've learned since we've been together and, uh, you know, just how I view my body and food differently is, you know, I look back, I, I try to think of what it would be like if I was like a Neanderthal and what is it like to eat then? Would I actually care about what I ate? You know, is that, I, I get that you're trying to survive and it's a very different environment, but it's understanding like, food is a necessity. You have to have it. You can't live without it. And how do you, you know, really step into, okay, I don't need to care as much about what I eat or even how I look. It's getting comfortable with yourself and living your life and that. So, so there was like other things to focus on, right? Right. Like you weren't just focusing on counting calories or counting macros or grams of whatever. You were just happy to have food. You needed food to survive. And we weren't all obsessed with looking a certain way. We were more focused on just keeping life going. Right. Yeah. It was a simpler time. So one of the things I talk a lot about in my business and with my clients is how much of a distraction our pursuit of thinness is and beauty and weight loss and obsession with food, how it really takes up a lot of our cognitive resources. Do you feel like it's happening to some degree with men as well? And if so, to what degree? Well, big time. Just as there's Instagram models that are women, there certainly are some that maybe not in the same capacity, but there's definitely men out there, right? You look at uh, Instagram accounts for like Dwayne Johnson, aka The Rock, right? Love him. Phenomenal actor. No shame on him. But that's a standard, right? He's he's extremely fit and that's what he does. And, and I think that's great. I love that. And Dan Bilzerian, you know, okay, billionaire always on his yacht. Who's, who's Dan, Dan what? Dan Bilzerian. Bilzerian. <laughs> he's, uh, he's kind of like a billionaire, had like heart attacks or had some, had some health issues when he was younger and really turned his life around. A poker player who, you know, won a bunch of money that way. Anyways, really got, you know, super fit and uh, just absolutely, you know, he looks, it's a white version of The Rock. So... You know, you look at these, though, and they each have, you know, millions and millions of followers. But it's the same idea that, you know, men are meant to then be super masculine and have a lot of muscle tone and not have body fat. So it's you still definitely see this kind of image of, no, you're supposed to look a certain way or that's what's admired. That's the ideal. Right. Yeah. That's the ideal. So you said when you were younger that you were definitely aware of your body and you were you had body insecurities. You didn't want to go in the pool without a shirt on. Do you still have body insecurities? I mean, I'd be lying if I said no. Uh, I think I do. I, but what I've started to, I, not at all to the same degree. The insecurities for me, though, are a lot different than the way I look, which don't get me wrong, I still would like to look a little bit different. Um, and that's just me. I just want to be, because I feel that some of it is a reflection of being healthy and that I'm still unhealthy in a lot of areas. I would say the majority of it is that, yes, I'm comfortable with how I actually look. It's just that I'm not comfortable that I'm not treating my body the way that I feel like I should be all of the time. So meaning you have one too many beers sometimes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So okay. that could happen. Okay. And then my body looks like it's a reflection of that. You've made a lot of strides. 
you have a better body image, meaning your self-worth isn't wrapped up in your size, right? You have a right. lot of self-worth outside of your body size. But you do think that the way that your physical body shows up is a reflection of your self-care and how you're taking care of yourself. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think that's exactly how, that's how I envision it at least. Mm -hmm. Sure. I think that there's truth to that. Right. Right. Like our, you know, diet culture and weight loss aside, you can't argue that what you put in your body gets digested and assimilated into your cells. And then whatever you feed your body is becomes the building blocks of the cell regenerative process. So what you put in is ultimately going to affect your outputs for sure. Yeah. Like if you eat a jelly bean or you eat a lot of jelly beans, you might look like a jelly bean. <laughs> you know, it's, I don't know. I, I look at that, that one calorie from one kind of food is not the same as a, you know, as a right. quote unquote calorie from another food. Right. If you, if you were to only eat Oreos for the rest of your life or only eat broccoli for the rest of your life, you would probably have two very different physical realities. Sure. Exactly. And, and health outcomes and. Right. You know, beyond just looking in a mirror, of course. Right, right. Okay. So one of the things that a lot of my clients struggle with is they think that in order to have better luck in dating or to find a man, and I did talk about this in a podcast episode, but I wanted to get a man's perspective. Does a woman have to lose weight or be a certain size for you to be attracted to her or to give her the time of day? What's your perspective on female bodies and, and attraction is is the way someone looks physical physically their appearance is that the f most important thing at first at first it does absolutely play a role but maybe not in the same way as weight that a lot of women and men would would think it does you know there's it, there's other appearances to people and how they actually carry themselves that can actually play more of a you know a larger role in that first impression versus the weight i mean first of all i'm i'm not skinny obviously um you and i are very different but you know previous girlfriends i've had it's been a wide range of that from that if you want to put a scale of you know skinny fat what what have you but it's always been more about the person i think i think it's very important for women and men, really, for, for both to really evaluate and say, well, if you, it's not if you're skinny or fat, but if you are unhappy and you're unhealthy, you tend to carry yourself a different way. And that's typically, you know, for those who want dating advice, um, not that I'm any good at it, but that's going to be what actually draws that either attractive or unattractive perception towards someone. So if you're fixing your issue with your body image and being more comfortable in your skin, that's going to show people that, you know what, you're just happier with yourself. It gives you confidence. You know, a lot, a lot more people are more confident that way. So weight shouldn't be the number one concern with that. It's if you're comfortable with yourself, that's going to give a much better first impression and just you're going to be happier and maybe glow more men typically I, I do not look great at all if I'm unhappy that's for sure you know if you're in a, if you're comfortable with yourself it's not the weight that matters it's just how you carry yourself and how you perceive yourself mm. so it sounds like your energy that you give off so if you are more confident and more comfortable in who you are you're going to give off 
a type of magnetic energy that people are going to be like, wow, I like that person. And confident people not only make other people feel more comfortable and confident, but you kind of want to be around those people because they make you feel good. So while sure, maybe to a degree, someone's appearance is going to play a role. But what you're saying based on your experience of the world, and perhaps you can maybe speak to some of your friends, ultimately what attracts you to a woman is like how she carries herself, how she shows up in the conversation. Is she confident and comfortable? Is she fun to be around? Do you enjoy her? It's not just like that girl's hot. If you only were to think a girl is hot, it's possible that maybe your intentions would be different. Sure. I think, uh, you know, it's, I would, I would definitely say, as you're my girlfriend, um, looking for a partner and, under, and trying to understand someone, it's way more sexy if you're like, things like that, things like dieting and worrying about what you look like are just very small things to not, you can't focus all your time of it. It doesn't grow you. It doesn't grow society. You got to not give a fuck about that and say, you know what? I'm comfortable with myself. I've got a bigger goal in mind for my my life and I'm focused on that. If you're really going and saying, listen, I, I've got something else. I can give my power to something more meaningful. Stop worrying about the dieting. I mean, the hell with that. It doesn't matter. It's not going to change anything, really. You're not changing the world by you getting a little bit skinnier. It doesn't matter. That person carries themselves differently then. Mm-hmm. So someone realizing that there's bigger problems in the world than the there's the size of their body would be inspiring and attractive to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You heard it here, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so give a damn about something bigger and better in the world. And just focusing on shrinking your body is a small problem for a small life. Yeah. I say that with lots of love ladies. Obviously I had an eating disorder for a long ass time and thought sole purpose of my life was to shrink I'm hoping that you have a shift in perspective of you're allowed to take up as much space as you want, but you heard it here first from a man. He's awesome. I love him. That being passionate, having a larger vision for your life and for the world, being confident in who you are, that's sexy. That's probably going to get you further in all areas of your life than shrinking your body. Yeah, guaranteed. Put the stamp of Brent's guarantee on that. Okay. I don't have an actual stamp for that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. What advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Wow. When I was 20. Which wasn't that long ago, guys. He's like 28. I'm 28. It was still eight years ago. I, I got to reflect back a little bit. You know, advice for me now is having a focus on other than myself, right? If I were to tell myself when I was 20, it's like, hey, you know what? From, from a health standpoint, Sure. Be, be healthier, you know, having a different viewpoint on food. Of course, there's all that. And also taking my mind off of it because that was still a, a thing that I, I thought about when I was in my 20, early 20s, when I was 18, quite a bit. And I would say maybe the most when I was like 22, 23. Um, and I think the biggest thing I could tell myself is just like, you know what? Focus on the things that are going to change your life uh, from just a maybe a career standpoint or just helping others or whatever it ends up being because just getting skinny and being miserable about that and only having that focus it's just that it's it's kind of a waste of time when you only focus on it through that lens so for me 20 years old 
worry about bigger things. Do bigger things. Be better. So you worried a lot about weight and losing weight? Definitely when I was like 22, mm. 23. Oh, big time. Uh-huh. No, I, I absolutely did. And that was, it was like I'd just gotten out of a long relationship through like high school and most of college. So when I was like 22. Um, you were like, I got to trim up and hit the town. That was it. You know, I had to get skinny. And uh, the way I did that was I just, I was like depressed. I didn't eat. I just didn't eat. And uh, I lost some weight for a bit there, but it was a miserable couple of years just focusing on that and being like, oh, I just, I'm lonely now because I'm fat when it's like, well, that wasn't really it, but I thought it was. Mm, So you thought your body was the problem. Right. Because I have just such a great personality. Well, you do now, but I, I'm sure 20-year-old Brent was probably, like, a dick. I mean, maybe. <laughs> Could have been. Could have been. So what advice would you give to a man who's struggling with his body image? So I would say advice that I would give to someone in that situation is to really stop focusing on what you look like in the mirror. There's just bigger problems. You got to have bigger problems. If that's your biggest problem, I might actually kind of envy you a little bit because that means you should have everything else in your life is made in the shade. So I I would definitely say it's, hey, there's a a bigger issue here and it's not your stomach. It's, It's absolutely what you can actually do for humanity, for society, for even yourself beyond that. You know, it's, I I would say you just got to stop giving a fuck about it. Honestly, that's Mm. it. Mm. So it's kind of similar. I'm, I might use like different word choice or softer words (laughs) if I was talking to a client or something, but one of my favorite quotes of all time is by Brandilyn Tebow. And it says, we don't need to solve our problems. We only need to get problems bigger than ourselves. The antidote to self-consciousness is not self-improvement, but other consciousness And by other consciousness, it means not focusing on yourself, but things outside of you, things that are bigger. Maybe it can be your family, your community, your career, social justice issues, some type of change you want to see in the world. And that is truly the antidote to feeling insecure is literally just stop focusing on your appearance or what you deem as like flaws or shortcomings. When you take your attention off of them, they shrink in size, right? Tony Robbins says where energy goes where focus goes, energy flows or something like that. So if you focus on it less, it actually shrinks. You give it less power. You give it less energy. You give it less say in how you feel about yourself. So like you said, just bigger problems. Like if you stop focusing on the fact that you have a beer belly or a dad bod or whatever, same thing I would say to women. We just want to focus on the fact that we have round, comfortable bellies a little less and realize that we can do so much with the body that we've been given. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think there is a difference here between men and women as well of, you know what, as a guy, I don't really care if another guy has a bigger belly. I just don't. So if, if you think that, you know, and honestly, I don't care if a woman does either. Like that's whatever. It is what it is. Stop thinking that other people, that it's actually creating a different perception of you and that it's actually really creating some different actions to happen in the world. It just isn't. Don't. Sometimes we have to humble ourselves and realize we're not that powerful that our stomach size is going to control other people's opinions. We're powerful in other ways. That's not the way that we're powerful to other people. 
I mean, that's true to an extent. I, I definitely think that there's a caveat there. Like, Oof. weight discrimination and treating people differently based on the way that they look and whether or not they fit the beauty ideal. Like, that's, that's real. That exists. And I Got think it. that we need to acknowledge that, that that's real. And I also hear what you're saying. Not everyone is focusing on the way that you look nearly as much as you think because they're also up in their head worrying about the way that they look. Right. Oh, we had some questions sent in from Instagram. Oh, did we? We did. Oh, boy. Okay. About kale. About kale? Yes. I've only ever juiced kale, but I've heard you should massage it before you saute it. Is this true? So I actually think you massage the kale if you're keeping it raw, and then if you're sauteing it, you just saute it with oil. Right? Do you agree? Yeah. I don't – yeah, if I saute it, I just saute it. Okay. What was the recipe that turned him, meaning turned him to eat kale? My boyfriend refuses to eat kale, so I want to make something incredible with it. Ooh, it wasn't a recipe. It was the girl. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a tough one. You, you gotta, you know what? We made a lovely pasta for lunch today with a cashew Alfredo sauce. I don't know. Would you call that Alfredo? I don't really know. That was definitely, you know what? You can throw some kale in there, saute that up with some mushrooms. That was pretty perfect. Okay, so we made it with some pasta. We cook it. We almost don't eat kale raw that often. It's such a tough, hearty green. So we almost always saute it in the pan. Generous coconut oil application, pink salt galore. I just think sauteed kale is delicious. It's good. It's good. It's gotten chewier lately. There's something happening there with kale. I'm not sure, but. I don't know. Okay, Brent, it was so great to have you on here. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, you'll have to let me know. <laughs> uh, Brent doesn't have an Instagram for display, so I don't. Isn't it private? I don't know. Oh. It very well could be private. Thank you so much for being here, Brent, shedding some light on what it's like to be a man in diet culture. My pleasure. It was fun.